Welcome to Yela Mensa, exploring cross-centered contextual justice in the South African context. Yela Mensa is a ministry of East Fombano, Center for Biblical Justice. I am your truther. Is with me is John Skippers, my man. Well, he's Joe's man as well. Yo. Um, just to get that straight. Hey, everybody. Yo, is that, is that, is that all you're going to give me? Just a yo. I, I'm giving you oh, more. Man, you usually give me more. more than that. Um, give me more than that. It's like, hey, oh, everybody. Like I don't know what to say about that, man. <laughs> You come in with these ambiguous uh, entries. I don't know what's going on there anyway. Tell me, you should give me more than that. Give me uh, more love. Give me more love. Yeah, last uh, time guys, I, offer, I offered uh, to rap for you, but you didn't want yep. it. So I'm, now I'm hurt, man. Yeah, about that. Let's, let's, let's keep that, you know, somewhere. Let's just keep that hidden away somewhere. Yeah, better, better, uh, better guys, hidden. Guys, guys, yeah, better hidden. Guys, thanks for, for tuning in again to another episode of Yellow Mensa today. Uh, for our very first ever uh, intercontinental podcast uh, recording, we have with us a very special guest, Fast Burns, uh, Vice President of The Witness, uh, a Black Christian collective, co-host of both Pastor Mike, and I'm probably in South Africa, in the South African context, you are probably most famous uh, yeah. for Pastor Mike. Um, I know a lot of friends who... Yeah, yeah, you're famous, dude. Like a little bit, just a little bit, just a little. Bit. You're like a minor celebrity, man. Yeah, like a minor celebrity. Like a minor Emphasis celebrity. on the in minor. Jesus. <laughs> in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. Um, and of course, as well, um, chasing justice podcast. I actually, I should actually follow that. Um, man, I need to keep up. I need to keep up. Um, as well as a lead pastor at a New Dimensions Christian Center. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, sir. We have a very 90s name. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, Tyler, welcome to Yellow Mensa. Uh, please, won't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your church background, and your work with The Witness? For those yeah, of so our listeners all, who don't say, know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for Man, those who don't know. Yeah. I, first of all, I want to say thank you all for allowing me to be here. It is an honor. I did not know this was your first intercontinental podcast. I did not yeah, know that. You're making history, um, man. Yeah, that's incredible. But I, I, you know, I'm such a fan of what you guys are doing and we've had the opportunity to get to know each other over the past few years. So I just yeah. want to affirm what you all are doing. And I know we've said it off mic, but I just want to say it on mic that I love what you guys are doing and believe in it and just pray God's blessings upon everything that you touch. Um, yep. But yeah, so I'm from uh, Pensacola, Florida, with the Florida is the panhandle of the States. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like down and at the bottom. Obviously, you probably heard some if you're in any way tuned into American politics or context, you've heard some, we are the butt of jokes. Um, you know, we are uh, typically laughed at and ridiculed in some ways, but you know, Florida is an interesting context. I grew up in a pastor's home. So I'm a PK, as we like right. to say in the American context, preacher's kid mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, radically saved when I was very young, um, actually off my father's preaching. Uh, my father was talking about, sure. Uh, he was, you know, earlier in his in his years, he was more fire and brimstone preacher. And, um, you know, he talked about hell and he talked about all these other things. And I remember that uh, when I got in the car that day after we had preached that message, I was like, OK, I called it the hot place because I didn't want to say hell. I thought I was cussing if I said hell. <laughs> so I was like, um, this hot place y'all are talking about. I don't want to go there because I know like it's hot in Pensacola and I'm not trying to go there. So whatever we need to do to make sure I'm not there, right. whenever I do die, like I just want to make sure. And, you know, they kind of laughed and, and um, you know, it was a joke. But then later on that night, my, my dad, dad sat down, sat down and really, and he really explained the scriptures to me. Wow. And, you know, what he explained privilege. the 
the the message of redemption and the story of what Christ has done for us and and I comprehended it and felt deeply convicted wow and wow. was understanding it not from a fear-based standpoint but from the pain and the agony of having violated the command of God sure and and right there we prayed I made a profession of faith didn't know what I was doing really at the time I don't know if that's like my official I don't know what I was doing or you know I felt that I cognitively understood it and I felt like like I changed after that but you know you never know the official like okay is this the exact moment you know of salvation but I made the decision to follow Jesus and as I was growing up in a in a predominantly um black church context I was being educated in predominantly white context, which right. I think is the truth of, of many of us that we're, even if we're in predominantly black context, there is a connection of some sort to a, a predominantly white institution and context. And so I was, I had some theological confusion because on the educational side, they were telling me that everything that my church was doing on a predominantly black, black setting was unbiblical and untrue. Mm-hmm. So I thought that because they were my teachers and my educators, yep. that they were right automatically uh-huh. just because they're a teacher, they're a professor. So they yeah. must know must more be, than yeah. my church context. Yeah, we and so I grew up in this theological confusion. And uh, so I didn't really know what I believed about. I knew what I believed about God in a personal level, but I didn't know what that was supposed to lead me to externally. And so I didn't have fully formed ethics. And so around the time, I would say around um, 16, um, after having walked with God, I was at this conference and received a radical, like, shocking call to ministry. Like, it was, it was as clear as day. It was as clear as I felt like the Lord had ever, you know, spoken to me. And I use that in air quotes because it's not audible. Right. But as clear as the Lord had moved upon me, I felt like he had called me to ministry. And so I started following God, voraciously reading everything, started reading everything I possibly could. And I stumbled across, across this blue book um, by a guy named Wayne Grudem called Systematic Theology. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I just started reading Systematic Theology for no other, I just didn't know what else to do. Like I was like, okay, I've read the Bible, trying to understand the Bible, started reading Systematic Theology. And that's what introduced me to Reformed Theology. So I started reading Knowing God uh, by J.I. Packer, uh, the Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul, Desire of God, God by John Piper, you know, all these books. Right. And so I started to and think so that because, because these guys, guys were giving language and thought to, you know, my Christian experience and they were giving me direction. Oh, I thought this is the way. Right. Like these guys must be the guys. These are the <laughs> and, and a lot of what they said was helpful. I don't want to, you yeah. know, I don't want to get yeah. that get that twisted. Yeah. But I started to leave my bubble. And when I left my Florida bubble when I went to college at a very famous college um, <laughs> in, in, in the States, um, State, the largest, largest Christian university, university in the States. When I went there, my bubble was exploded because I saw culture and I saw interactions with people who were totally different from me, came from a totally different background, right. totally different denominational expression. And it really confronted whether or not I was called. Like, sure. am I called? Is, is there something I'm supposed to do? So I asked God, you know, when I was 19, and I was at college, God, what have you called me to do? What have you called me to do? And that was an earnest prayer for about six months. And one day when I woke up and I was having my time with the Lord, I wrote down that God has called me to communicate the truth clearly, beautifully, and unashamedly in every media form that exists. Sure. So I woke up and I just wrote that out. And that's that's been my purpose statement, my mission statement that my life is about communicating the truth of God clearly, beautifully, and unashamedly in every context that exists. 
um, in every media form. And so that really was a North Star for my life that helped me to then develop where I was going to go for the rest of, of uh, my journey here on earth, that God had called me to communicate. And so the rest of my life from 19 on is all about the communication of words and sure. all about the expression of words and all about the communication of God's truth. So that's been in different contexts. So different, uh, that's been in a, a church context, obviously as, as a pastor, uh, that's been in a spoken word context, that's been in a writing context. Yeah. Um, that's been in a speaking context, that's been in all kinds of, I had a television show for a while, um, that's been in, in podcasting. And so um, my life is all about communicating well. And so I met Jamar in 2012, I want to say, and he had just launched and he had, uh, the Reformed African American Network. Right. And a few years later, I ran into him again and I connected with the vice president at the time, Philip Holmes. And Philip was like, hey, man, we'd love to have you come to our annual meeting for the for the Reformed African-American Network. And I didn't know Philip like that. I was like, I don't know y'all. Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> right. go to Mississippi? Yeah. Like, yeah. yo, it's got to be a special occasion for Mississippi. Mississippi, that's a family reunion or something <laughs> else, but it's not yeah. to meet up yeah. with people I don't know. Right. And so I came there and I found this beautiful community of people wow. that were trying to reconcile their faith with their cultural expression. Sure. And so I decided to be involved in some way, shape or form, but didn't really get bought in as co-host of The Witness till 2015 um, and then became vice president of The Witness in 2018. So came co-host of Pastor Mike with Jamar. And, you know, basically my entire life, my entire ministry journey has been about the communication of the gospel, sure. communication of God's truth, clearly, beautifully, unashamedly. And that's been wow. like the frame and the, the borders yeah. for my life that has, sure. has kept me on the right path. Wow, that's that's, that's amazing, that's amazing. Now and that's the abbreviated version. There's so much yeah, more yeah. to say, but that's the abbreviated. I, I, I can imagine. Like I didn't know you were in spoken word. Yeah, like, I also, I also like, heard that. I was like, TV hmm. show. Like, oh, really? what else? What yeah. else about you? I mean, like, we got a mic here. Drop some bars. You should drop some some stuff. Ah, no, 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 no. Because I've heard I'll you. I'll exclusive, man. I'll send you a link, David. I'll send you a okay, link. Okay. Because please, because please, I like you, do. but I'm not going <laughs> to. But no, so and it's I, funny because at the time, that is specifically what I wrote down. And this is, you know, how interesting that God works, I believe. But that's what I wrote down when I was 19. I wrote down that I was going to be involved in spoken sure. word. Wrote down that I was going to be involved in television. Wrote down I was going to be involved wow. in podcasts and, and going to write and do books. And, and almost... I say almost all but one. I think everything has actually come to pass so far, sure. just in that brief period of time. Um, when I got back from college and I felt like the Lord had called me to come back home, I just had this random connection with a TV producer. And he was like, hey, that radio show that you wanted to start, because I was trained in radio. He was like, that radio show that you want to start, would you be willing to make it a television show? And I was like, I don't do TV. I just want to, you know, I just would prefer to be behind the mic. Right. And he's like, well, think about it. And so I just sat down that night and I was like, God, if you want me to do this television show, you got to give me, give me the right frame to write this, you know, vision of the TV show out. So give me the vision for it. And so I prayed and I sat there and I was looking up stuff and it hit me, the antidote, the antidote. And I was like, what is this? So I wrote it down. And um, basically, we started up about two months later after I wrote all that down, wrote everything down that I was uh, thinking. We started the Antidote television show where the theme was Christ is a cure for culture. 
and conversations create fertile ground for change. So sure. I did that show for six years and it was basically a reverse talk show where I was moderating a conversation with guests. Right. Um, and, and so, so we would come and we fill the audience with kids from the community. So we just invite kids, random kids from the community. They would come in and they wouldn't know the topic that we were talking about wow, wow. until the cameras came on. So I had no idea what they were going to say. I had no idea what they were going to say. Wow. That's gonna say no, no idea, idea what, what they were. They were. We, we, we could, could talk, talk about the Trinity. Trinity. We could talk about hip hop. We could talk about fashion. And what they didn't realize was that I wasn't going to be the one who was speaking as much as I was going to be facilitating a conversation amongst wow. them. And so I knew where I wanted to start and where I wanted to end and connected to the gospel and Jesus Jukum at the end, of course. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, but that, so did that for six years. So all those things, like, it was like, God did not allow me not to speak. And I think that's important because I think there's some things in our lives that God does not allow us to get out of doing. And as sure. much as we try, um, we'll never be able mm. to forsake what he's created us to do. Mm. You, and that, you. that's just, I mean, that's, that's just comes back to calling and um, yeah. God ordained purposes, um, which is in many ways, you know, we, we set the plans because I can, I can think of things that I want to be involved in, but God has opened East Bombano. He's opened other ministries and he's opened this. And I'm like, God, but I feel like we're heading this way. You're losing track with, with the agenda. We, <laughs> we're going this way. And it's like, no, no, no. East Bombano is part of the agenda. You Come you on. need this on your on your way to whatever you think. And you may die in East Bombano. Look at, look at that place. Look at that place. Sure. <laughs> That's God's place. John is like, yeah, we're doing like, this, I man. didn't, I didn't this. know if East Bombano was not a part of your plan. This is new to me. Oh, this <laughs> is like, I'm like, I'm talking about starting starting my own church, man, mega church, having 50,000 people. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about, man. Okay. 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 I'm (laughs) praying for you, brother. I'm praying. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. playing. Talking about about stuff happening on a big scale. Um, Listen, so this, this, the the idea behind what we, what we're going to talk about today is just, the road is long, so in mm. quotes, it was, you can think about this, the road is long, staying the course in the fight for justice. Wow. Uh, so before we get into just some of the meat of that, um, uh, Tyler, do you want to share a little bit about the situation in the States? Obviously, there's COVID-19, it's a, it's a global thing happening, it's a pandemic. Uh, um, there's, there's people are pol- politicizing the whole thing, uh, the anti-lockdown campaign, uh, which uh, a lot of evangelical Christians have thrown their weight around the conversation, uh, the ongoing chaos that is your president. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, of course, the... Not uh, my president. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. Well, Don't come on, president. Come on. <laughs> a president. <laughs> okay, then there's the tragic murder of um, Ahmad Abri. Um, or Aubrey, am I saying his surname right? Yeah, Aubrey. Uh, yeah, Aubrey. Um, uh, Brianna Tyler as well, yeah. or Taylor. Uh, what is what is what is the feeling uh, within the states at the moment? What are, what is what is the emotions of people around these things? I mean, we we reading on on social media and we're seeing a lot of stuff going on, particularly among Black people, um, the minority group in in the states. What's what's the feeling among people there? Man, uh, such a great question. And if I had to summarize it, I would say black people are tired. Hmm. Black people are tired, man. Uh, I think since 2012, since Trayvon Martin was killed in Sanford, Florida, 
there has been this onslaught of high profile cases of black bodies being um, expended, black bodies being killed, whether on camera or off, in very high profile situations that reveal to us the ways in which our, what we call the United States are not yet united. Um, and so we think of Mike Brown in 2014, Eric Garner in 2014, Samir Rice in 2015, um, Sandra Bland, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, and now Ahmaud Arbery. Yeah. And what yeah. it, what many of us are facing in the midst of all this is, I think we are in an eight year or so period, about a decade or so period of intense intracultural trauma. Sure. And I think our, our moment of trauma is weighing down on us so much and it is taxing us so much that the only real uh, response, the only real description I can give it is we are tired. We are mm. tired in the soul sense, not in the body sense, but in the soul sense. Yeah. And what all of this has in the midst of everything in you know, the 10 year period, we have, a, we have the intracultural trauma, the intracommunity trauma that is in, in you know, the, you know, black, the black community, community in particular in America. But then there is also this growing divide and clear distinction, which was highlighted in 2016, as you mentioned, with the election um, yeah. of the president, the current president, that there is this growing divide between the white evangelical space and spaces of color. Mm. And so is there, there is this growing and every single, it seems like every single month or every single week, there is another example of how it is a different interpretation. Sure. So what's unique about Ahmaud Arbery is Ahmaud Arbery is, is maybe the one time that there has been at least some sense of symmetry and some sense of unity, and I yeah. put that in air quotes, in the perspective wow. of what this tragedy is. But in truth, we, we sympathize with the tragedy, but as I like to say, kindness is not justice. Yeah. And just because we are kind and just because we are sympathetic yeah. does not mean that we, we all yeah. understand what needs to be changed for there to be a just flourishing society for every citizen, especially those Absolutely. who are on the margins. Yeah. And yeah. so what we're seeing is that there is a, there is a decade long distinction between, and it's really lasted for, for you know, hundreds of years before this, but in particular at this moment, at this Kairos time, there is a decade long distinction between the, the, the gospel of white evangelicalism and the gospel for people of color. Sure. And it's not that there is a different gospel, yeah. but it is a different interpretation and lens by which we're approaching the scriptures, sure. we're approaching the body, we're approaching the state, we're That's approaching true. the institution of church, we're approaching um, the our interactions with law enforcement, we're approaching our worth, our value, our language. And I, I yeah, sense yeah. that what's fatiguing us is that divide more so than anything else, especially in the black Christian context, yeah. is that divide is weighing down on us. And the question that many of us are asking is, uh, how long? How long will we have to continue yeah. uh, to experience the, the very visible traumatic examples of um, black life being taken for granted, being used flippantly? I mean, we, we mentioned sure. Breonna Taylor. There was no video, so people didn't say anything. People haven't yeah. said much about Breonna Taylor yeah, yeah. because there's no video. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and how, how frustrating is it that we have to see our trauma yeah. for you to believe that it exists? Sure. Like how, yeah. how frustrating is that? How, how yeah. tiring is that? Yeah. yeah. And so I think we're tired, man, but I think especially for black Christians, 
there is this growing angst, a continually boiling angst under the surface of how long will we have to have these conversations? How long? And so when you talk about the road is long, I think that resonates so much with me because many of us are seeing that this is a this is a generational fight that that will last beyond us, that will yeah. that will last into our children and our grandchildren, sure. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's powerful. I'm just I'm just thinking of um what Jamal and myself spoke about um uh during our podcast and this whole idea of evangelicalism mm -hmm. and yeah, the yeah. definition of evangelicalism. And I know that many of us here in South Africa and in Africa, when we go to sound theology, we 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 go to, you know, a lot of our reformed Calvinist evangelical brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, right. reading some of the when i say calvinist and evangelical i mean majority white christians uh, right. from the states from 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 europe um and we read these guys and i was saying to him you know at, at what point do we do we read that and we don't go like wow um do some of these guys mean evangelical the way i understand mm. evangelical um and you know we were just thinking about what that means in different contexts because right, i'm yeah. thinking bible you know only i'm not even even going towards systems and i'm, I'm not even uh you know structure and, mm -hmm. and, and privilege mm -hmm. and, and and discrimination and the history yeah. of all that's in there and hearing you speak uh clearly there's there's there's, there's some kind of divide in terms of yeah. how people think about and how people use the term and then what that means for evangelicals meaning mm. bible believing christians in my understanding right. to speak into the issue yeah. hence there's yeah. a divide so many layers to that conversation yeah yeah and you know what's interesting about that is is jamar and i would both you know reference the bebbington quadrilateral for how mm. people often think about the evangelical right so if you it's it's the the four kind of core elements of what made a classical yeah. evangelical and one of those four elements is activism yes right this was the, this was the common understanding one of the common understanding of what an evangelical was when it was when the when the term was coined Mm -hmm. is is an activist in, in some, some way, way shape yeah. or form not, not just someone who's uh, you know concerned with biblicism and conversionism and uh, cruciformism yeah. but also activism as well yeah and so i yeah. think what's what's so fascinating about it is how activism is is expressed and explained exactly. and so now because of the politicization of what it means to be an evangelical in the united states context now people think of activism as a culture war. Now, now people think of activism as as domination. Now people think of activism as political angling and the connection between the church. So basically Christian nationalism. And so the layers of that are so interesting. But the root core problem with hmm. evangelicalism in the States, if I want to cut through, what's the issue? Is, is that we serve an idol that cannot be critiqued. Sure. And any system, any theological approach that cannot be critiqued is yep. an idol. Sure. It is not a system. It is a that's, it is a principality. Right. Let's just be honest with what yeah. it is. And so this is what we do. We we set up a system and then we say this system cannot be critiqued. Yeah. So this system has reached a level, this system has reached a a an aura and a place in our hearts that is occupying, it is exalting itself. Let, let me mm. just use Bible. It's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Yeah. Because sure. the only yeah. thing that cannot, the only thing that is blameless, the only force that is blameless is God himself. Mm -mm. 
not the system, not the interpretation, not what we think, not our rituals. And so the problem is we have a system and a way of expressing our, our belief in Jesus that cannot be critiqued. And we think that there is, again, because this is connected to the politicization of it. When you when you critique your party, you're undermining your party. When you critique your 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 political persuasion, you're undermining it. And we think the same thing about evangelicalism. Yeah. And what it's really expressing is the same thing it is in our political sphere. It's expressing that we have an idolatry problem. Sure. Wow. And sure. rather than confronting, rather than standing against right. what is undermining the witness of the church in the world, the witness of Jesus in the world, we would instead choose to worship idols. Sure. We'd instead choose to follow after broken cisterns where yeah. no water can be held. Yeah, yeah. Right? Wow. That's what we would choose. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's a shame, but the root of it is we can't critique ourselves. We we're not self-aware. Mm -hmm. We don't see ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that some of that resonates with us. And I mean, just a quick point, because, uh, and I just think that the the idea is, I mean, Dave and I have both experienced it. Like, even to raise questions and critique sometimes is, it, it we we're not even, and I think our frustration is we're not even having the conversations. So like some of these mm. conversations, we're not mm. even, we're we're not even disagreeing, because we're yeah. not even actually having the conversations. Having, it's having just like you yeah. you get there, and it's like. You, you you raise a point that's, that's somewhat going to critique it. Oh, that's liberation theology. Oh, that's social gospel. Here's my, right. yeah, I'll play the card. It's done. We don't have to listen to you. We don't have to discuss. Yeah. You are now discredited or this view is discredited without even without even analyzing it. And that is just, mm -hmm. and so, so yeah, that resonates. You know what I've started doing? You know what I've started doing, John? You know what I've started doing? Whenever yeah. people drop that card, yeah. whenever people say that type of stuff, I always cut them off and say, "Why isn't your gospel liberative?" Sure. Why, Why doesn't your gospel liberate? Sure. Why doesn't your gospel say yeah. anything about society? Exactly. And then, so this is the thing. This is what tends to happen, and this is game yeah, for yeah. anybody, free game for anybody. This is rhetorical oppression. Yes. Okay. Let me just this rhetorical mm -hmm. oppression because you cannot use certain phrases, you cannot use yeah. certain words, and and they label you based upon this. Do not accept the premise. Yeah, yeah. I do not. And, and listen, hey, I'm from the States. I'm from the South. I, I say what I mean. I mean yeah. what I say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I say what I say type of person. Hopefully yeah. you guys have already picked up on that. But I'm the type of person who says, I will not allow myself to accept the premise, yes. an oppressive premise yeah. that says, if you say this, we will label you and silence you. Sure. Wow. Now, now, here's the thing. This is... This is this is anti-gospel beyond that, right? Yeah. It, is, it, is, it is the exact thing that the Pharisees said, tried to do to Jesus. The exact yeah. thing that the Pharisees tried to do, do to Jesus was he was, using, he was reforming their understanding of the law in light of his appearing, in light of his presence. Right. And based upon that, they said, he must have, he, he's demonic. He has a demon. Yeah. Right. He's a yeah. child of Satan. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. And it is, it is the desire, watch this, it's very important. It's rhetorical oppression because it is a desire to control. Yeah. And the I desire agree. to control is anti-gospel, y'all. Sure. It is anti-gospel for us to exercise sure. oppressive control over words that people use. Do you realize how problematic that is? Yep. So yep. here's what I always start back on. I'm like, why isn't your gospel liberative? Right. Oh, no, it is because it liberates, it liberates the soul from sin. And I'm like, okay, so if it liberates the soul from sin, 
your gospel liberates the soul from institutional and corporate sin too, right? Right. Or does it liberate just from individual private sins? Right, right, right. Or does it just liberate from... And see, that's when that's when people yeah. start getting on their heels and they start telling you you need to be quiet. But let me encourage you with this. Even if people are not willing to, to have, have the conversation, conversation, we are still called to be voices crying in the yeah. wilderness. Truth. Yeah. Even if people are refusing to listen, we are still the ones who are proclaiming. We are, as I like to call it, the black church in um, in the American context, is the whisper in the whirlwind. That's who we yeah, are. Yeah. And so we are going to speak, and we are going to we are going to cry out, even in mm -hmm. the wilderness. We're yeah, going to whisper, yeah. even in the whirlwind. And That's so I think it's yeah. so important for us to do that because um, even if people don't accept it, which we'll get into a little bit later, but even if people don't accept it, we have a responsibility to speak. We have yeah. a responsibility to say something. We have a responsibility, even if they won't have it in an individual conversation. We have a sp yeah. responsibility to write and to podcast, and that's what y'all are doing. And that's hard. That's, yeah, that's hard. But, but oh, it's impossible. Yeah. But but listen, let me let me encourage you here. <laughs> it's impossible, but let yeah. me encourage you. You stand in a very long tradition, and yeah. this is when people do not teach the full history of the church. When people do not teach the full history of people of color and the mm -hmm. marginalized. Yeah. Yeah. We lose the power of the rootedness of our tradition. Sure. So That's people right. didn't teach me about Fannie Lou Hamer. Yep. They didn't teach me about Ida B. Wells. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. didn't teach me about Frederick Douglass. They didn't teach me about Gardner Calvin yeah. Taylor. Yeah. They didn't teach me about these people. Nope. So when I learned about them, when I read Samuel DeWitt Proctor, there was a power because I'm like, I'm not by myself. Yeah, there's a long so, tradition that came before me and I'm rooted in and that's what is animating me. That's what's illuminating my understanding in this moment. Sure. So I, I would say there is a tradition that you come from, not just culturally, but also biblically as right. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I feel I, I feel like there's a there's a lack of acknowledgement that that tradition is a reformation. Yes, come on. Bro. And it is not and it's come not on. owned and recognized as a reformation as such where we look at the history of the church and we say the church has lost its way for 400 years straight. And because of that idolatry of refusing to look inside itself and be introspective and saying, okay, so all these people are saying the same thing. Is there something we should be, should we be listening? Because these guys are all, we recognize them at least spiritually as our yes, brothers. Yes. At least on that level, can then can we can we recognize that there's something wrong with our theology, and these guys are having a prophetic voice in saying that we need to come back to the gospel. Yes, yes. yes. And and yes. and that history is not even taught as history no. in in Bible colleges. No, definitely not. It's not church history. It's some kind of you know, oh yeah, and then there was some some dip in 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 some historical civil rights it's not even church history it's it's, yeah, yeah. it's civil movement the world something happened with the world the world lost wow. its track but the gospel brought it back and 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 when that happens it's a few christians who sort of were instrumental in it and again you only hear about the white christians who yeah us from wow. abolitionists wow and oh yeah you never hear about the the black christians who yeah we're saying this yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's 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 which brings me to my next question, basically. Uh, the work of anti-racism and the work of being for justice, it can be incredibly exhausting. Incredibly exhausting, even lonely at times. Yeah. Uh, we have all seen um, and, hear, and hear stories of those who, who are passionate about, about justice, being shipwrecked, faith, 
uh, their marriages, their families, or even their, their own lives. Uh, what do you think are uh, the biggest challenges or, or, or dangers to those involved in anti-racism and social justice work or, um, long-term? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a loaded question. Uh, I would say, first of all, I think it's important for us to say that, you know, you, you talked, talked about losing your faith, losing your, your marriage, your family. Yeah. I just, just want to say everybody's, everybody's at risk, at risk for, for that. that. Yeah. Right. So a lot of times what I what I tend to hear is people say, well, you're going you gonna to lose your faith and lose your faith. Everybody's at risk for that, yeah. whether you fight for justice or not, right? Thank whether you're anti-racist or not, yeah. right? Everybody is at risk for that. Everybody's at risk for, for deception. You know, in the end times, many will fall away. That's what mm-hmm. the scripture says, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it's important for us to, to acknowledge that. But I think yeah. one of the, some of the unique challenges and dangers for those who are involved in anti-racism and justice work long-term is ex- is prioritizing the external over the internal. So okay. prioritizing the work of justice and anti-racism over the internal work of your personal identity in, in God. So one of the things that I've done, one of the things that I've done um, when I talk about justice is I try as best as possible not to interpret my journey towards living justly based upon what other people have done to me Sure. But also based upon how I've grown in who God has called me to be. Okay. That's, a, that's a very, it's a, it's a subtle yeah. framing difference, right? Yeah. But when I interpret my, how God has created me and my journey in Jesus and living justly, justly through, through the, the lens, lens of what everyone has done to me, which I could give you story after story. You know, we give example after example. When I start doing that, I've subtly reversed and given power to, to external yeah. forces. Yeah rather than my internal rootedness in Christ. And the number sure. one thing for every anti-racist and every you know Christian justice worker, the number one fundamental reality is that you are in Christ. Right? Sure. That's the number one fundamental reality for those of us who believe. And so there is great liberation and freedom internally first. So I think the, the first thing I would say is, is when we prioritize the external work over the internal work of being healthy, yeah. that that is a danger for long-term yeah. work of justice. You are not meant to sprint this out. There's there's a a little bit of of intellectual humility that we have to have, which is if King and Howard Thurman and Fannie Lou Hamer and Ida B. Wells and Frederick Douglass couldn't solve this in their lifetimes, what What makes makes us think we're going to solve it? Like the work of God is going to exist beyond us. Like, okay, so if... If Paul didn't answer every question and right. Paul didn't accomplish everything and get to the end of it all, what makes us think we're going to get to the end of it all? So yeah. there has to be at least at least some sort of humility for us to say yeah. this is a, a generational work that will outlive us. And so let us prioritize the internal over the external so we don't right. work to find our identity, but we work from our identity. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Um, that's one for sure. I, I think another one that's really important for us to to think about and prioritize is, you know, we miss this opportunity. We miss this um, understanding. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll say this and twist this because I talked about evangelicalism. We miss the opportunity and the understanding that we need to critique our own tradition as well. Right. We must critique ourselves. And so we must critique the anti-racism and justice movements of, of the past, not critiquing uncharitably, but saying, right. what can we learn about what was helpful and mm-hmm. what can we learn about what needs to shift and change? Yeah, that's good. What can we take and learn and lessons that 
that were in even their failures, not just their successes, not just their accomplishments and victories. But what are some lessons? King didn't do everything right. And we have to be honest about that. Okay, King didn't do everything right. So now what can we learn from King? But see, here's what happens in evangelicalism. They say, this person didn't do everything right, so they discard them. Right. That, right. That's not yeah. gospel. <laughs> this, this person didn't do everything. They didn't believe this exact thing that we think we should believe, basically. So they, they discard them. Right. We right. come from a position of charity and grace and mercy, which says, okay, they didn't do everything right, but we embrace what was what God used them to do yes. mightily. Yes. I say, let's learn from the things where they may have may not have you know done right. exactly as they should have or may have fallen short. Let's learn from these things. So we have to be free to critique mm. our own tradition, knowing that that doesn't invalidate our tradition. Sure. Wow. Yeah. That is that is so powerful. Because mm. um, I think one of the things that that cause there has been such a, especially in injustice work and 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 a, and having a a pursuit for it in a in a sense that you want to reform the church. Uh, yeah. You want to you want to call the church back to the gospel in a sense, into faithfulness, uh, holistic faithfulness. Should I say that holistic mm-hmm. faithfulness? I think because we are we have this fear of the internalization of it all again, and mm. as people of color, we are our understanding of sin is is systemic, um, and we are we are in a sense well burst theologically in its understanding and its inner workings in our daily lives and the pressures that we face daily uh, <laughs> we have a we have a good understanding of it and so mm-hmm. any any hint at oh but you need to focus internally you need mm-hmm. to look at your relationship with jesus there's a oh brother i that gnostic gospel to me again you know you're trying to give me this thing of yes. where i'm trying to you know at jesus in heaven i'm, I'm not there buddy right. i'm secure in jesus and we forget sanctification because we're now doing the work of, of, of Justice. getting the structures, mm. getting, getting the, the, the brothers on, on board with, with changing yeah. people's external experiences. Yeah. And I think yeah. there's a massive danger in it. There's a no, massive there's danger. A, there's that. a temptation. Now, there's, there's a temptation yeah. to swing that pendulum back over. Sure. There is. But, I, you know, you have to understand, I'm speaking, and people have to understand, I'm speaking pastorally. Like, I'm speaking, right. you, you know, know, I have activists in my church. I have activists who are present in my church who do work. I mean, real justice work who, you know, protest and and march and do real work. And the conversations that I have with them are first and foremost, before we get to the work that they do, how's your soul? How's your heart? Yeah. How y'all doing? Are y'all sleeping? Asleep? Like, like, do y'all, do y'all go to sleep at night? What? Like what time time do you wake up in the morning? Mm. Have you been to the doctor recently? Have you had a physical this year? Sure. I'm doing so soul, body, emotional. Are you, are you are you seeing a therapist? You have a counselor? You have a spiritual director? Right. Yeah. You have somebody who's checking on your heart? Mm. Man, are you, are you just steeped in addiction? Are you addicted to anything? Yeah. I'm having these questions because what, what a lot of times we miss is, li- listen to this, hear me. The gospel is about freedom. Yeah, man. But freedom not just to do whatever we want. But the freedom to be healthy, the freedom to repent, the freedom to critique, the freedom to be self-aware, mm-hmm. the freedom to say I was wrong, mm-hmm. the freedom. But it's not freedom in, in the way that the world qualifies it. Mm. It's the freedom for us also to pursue justice and to be healthy at the same time. Yeah. For us to say, hey, I got to take a step away for a little bit because my marriage is jacked up. My yeah. kids are going wild. And, and far be it from me 
to feel the pressure. See, when you don't, don't have freedom, freedom, you don't have gospel freedom, you push through when you're unhealthy, thinking yeah. that the work depends on you. Yeah. You think that the work depends on you. So you're like, I can't stop because if I stop, the work stops. No, no, no. The gospel tells us that God is always moving yeah. and that there is freedom and grace and mercy for us to step away so that we can get healthy. Even before we pursue what's on the outside, we mm. get right on the inside first and yeah. then we can pursue. And no, it's not going to be a perfect symbiotic relationship all the time. But what I say is there are so many of us who feel like the work depends on us. Yeah. That's anti-gospel. That's not what it is. Jesus himself. People like, Jesus is the one who pushes for justice. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. But Jesus himself got away. Mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. himself retreated to be with the Father. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that rhythm of retreat, if you don't have that rhythm of doing the internal work, you're going to flame out. This ain't going to be a long road for you. It's, it's going to be a short road. road. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, lo- I love that because I think one of the things like that I try and not, ver- not very successfully, I try to remind myself that if I, John Skippers, am going to do anything of any significance, like injustice and Christian, like that's going to happen over 20, 20, 20, 30 years. It's not going to happen if, in five if years. Yo, well, yeah, that. I'm saying if, if there was a big, if, there <laughs> right. was a big if there, like, I, I, I don't think that much of myself, but like if anything's got, if, but actually the work of justice needs me, even if I'm plotting, even if I'm yeah. just plotting, plotting for 30 years, not if I'm sprinting for five years, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm probably actually going to harm the cause of justice because I'm going to give everyone who's been anti-justice reason to go, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We know that. Yeah. There was that skippers guy. I remember he came yeah. along. And well, we saw what happened to him and he should break his marriage and he should break these fa- and say, right. actually, how do we walk long term with God, yeah. like in yeah. humility? And and sometimes it's applauding. There may be times of sprinting, but just like faithfulness in the same direction. I think it's Eugene Peterson again. Yeah. 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 Long obedience in the same direction. Right. Exactly. That's what that's what that's what Peterson yeah. says. But yeah. I think here's here's another thing. Another thing that frees us in this way that I'll say really quickly is perspective. Like a lot of us think of justice on a national, like international global scale. And that's why, so we feel like we have to, that's what leads to the discouragement and the frustration and the anguish because we're trying to fight these national global forces. Yeah. And we're trying to just fight, just, ah, you know, that's why, hey, look, the president is important in his his impact in what happens in our country. But if, if I'm only fighting the president, if right. I'm only resisting this administration in the in the United States context, I, I'm missing the opportunity for justice to happen in my neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of people, they're like, let's fight nationally. And it's like, great, do that. I, yeah. I, I don't have anything wrong with that. But there are likely justice issues that are happening locally right. and right around you mm-hmm. that you can be involved in over the course of the next 10 to 15 years or yeah. 20 years. Where you can push back on some things and make some strides locally that maybe no one will ever hear about. Right. That's justice work too. That's as That's a matter of fact, the justice. most important justice yeah. work. Yeah. Because sure, you might march on, you know, the capital, the nation's capital. You might march and, you know, you know sure, sure you, you might, might reform this and sure you might speak out about a major national issue. But what about your neighbors? What, yeah. what about the people in your community? What about the people two miles over, not two states over? What mm-hmm. about the people two miles over? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, are they being affected by the stand that you're taking? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves, because then that's long term, slow, consistent, deliberate work. Exactly. And, and that helps us not to get overwhelmed as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, 
just 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 a few pointers but what are some of the symptoms that actually for guys for those of us who are doing the work what are some of the symptoms that hey spiritually emotionally you know socially you you're not you're not in a place where you you should be what are some of the things that the <laughs> guys in the in the in the trenches should be looking All out ladies. for in your opinion all ladies yeah well, when i say well, guys me, I, I do mean yeah mean, yeah oh, i know what you mean yeah yeah i say i say y'all see in the southern context in the united states i say y'all like i say yeah. y'all and i mean you know <laughs> okay. can i speak to the guys though can i speak to the guys that okay yeah um you want to know a warning sign that you are, you know, you're, you're getting ready to flame out or you're in that burnout space and you're in an unhealthy space of pursuing justice, not being self-aware when you cannot listen to women. Sure. Can I, can I be real with you? Yeah. That's, that's the sign. Because here's the thing. Here's the yeah. thing. I, uh, listen, I know yeah. people are like, what? No, listen to me. Listen to me. Because the male ego and the male control and dominance when you know that when you know, know that, that you are, are not overtaken by the necessity to always be in control of something is when a woman corrects you and a woman challenges you and a woman rebukes you and you can receive that wow now this is this is on different areas so this can yeah. be our wives mm. this can be our spiritual mothers this can be people within the church this can be people i come from a very egalitarian context so i'm, I'm assuming that there's complementarians listening so, you know, people who kind of believe in the gender roles and order and all that. So I'm just, I'm speaking generally for them as well. But, but when, when, when women in the movement can correct you, sure. when yeah. women in this work can correct you and you respond defensively to that, wow. there's some internal soul work that sums off. Because sure. here's the thing, we respond the same way to women as men. We do this all the time in the justice space. We respond the same way to women that white evangelicals respond to us. Oh. We respond the same exact oh. way, the, the same, same exact, exact defensiveness, the same exact dismissiveness. And then we're, we're looking around and we're like, we got it. We understand. And then we're frustrated with them. And they're like, you're not right. Because every time I bring this up and every time I bring up that there's an issue of representation, you wow. dismiss me. Wow. You push me away. So wow. I'll speak to the brothers. That's a sign right there because that is the same unhealthy desire to control and dominate. The same oppressive tendency that is in them is also in us. Don't think it's not. Right? Sure. So I, I'll say that. That's just for, for the brothers. That's just free for y'all. Okay. I, I'll say number two, though. I think it's really important when, you're, when your rhythms are off, when you do not have a daily rhythm of self-awareness. One of the most important things, and I know this is kind of getting into best practices. One of the most impor important things for me is every single day I pull up the emotional wheel. It's a part of my time with God. I pull up the emotional wheel. I pull up the emotional wheel, which you can Google. And it's basically in the middle of the wheel are your typical, like standard basic emotions. So you have anger, happiness, sadness, etc. And then as the wheel expands out, there are more detailed words for each of your feelings. So you can kind of hone in on how you're feeling. Right. Now, I do that before I pray, not because I'm prioritizing my emotions, mm -hmm. but because I want to be authentic as I bring it to God. Sure. C.S. Lewis said this, C.S. Lewis said, we should bring to God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Wow. So we should bring to God what really resides in us, not what we think he wants to hear. So I want to be honest and self-aware <laughs> and say, God, I'm so lonely and I'm so bitter and, and I'm so, I feel so abandoned 
And I feel so that I can be honest enough to bring that to him. And those rhythms of awareness are places where we can actually do real intense soul work. It doesn't have to be with a therapist or a counselor at first. It must start with us. Mm -hmm. Enough to say, I honestly feel this way. God, I'm bringing this to you. Sure. I honestly feel hopeless because of Ahmad Arbery and Breonna Taylor. I feel hopeless and I got to preach to a church and I got to lead and, and people are looking at me to, to say some things. And I'm like, guys, I ain't got nothing to say. So I bring that to God before I step before people. Wow. And many of us are stepping to people with our own strength. Mm-hmm. We haven't done the internal soul work of self-awareness to say, hey, I've, I've failed. I, I've struggled. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't have all the answers. God, I need your help. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think those are two things. And then uh, rhythms, rhythms of self-awareness, but then also rhythms of health. Right. Are, are, are you are you sleeping? Are you eating well? Are you <laughs> people? People just think like, oh, man, you know, it's it's, it's a struggle. Right. Your body shouldn't struggle while you struggle. <laughs> right. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, your mind shouldn't be struggling. Your emotions mm, should be. That's great. Yeah. OK, if you want if you want to do the long road, this is for the people who, who say the yeah. road is long. Yeah. Now, if you want, if you want to sprint and you want to get to the end of yourself and be all alone in five, 10 years, okay, go ahead. Do what you do. Yeah. Do what you do. I trust you. Go ahead. But But here's, but if you want to be a part of this long term, if you want your grandkids to see you, (laughs) then you have to take a step back sometimes. You have to, and I'm speaking to myself more than anybody else. You have to take a step back. You have to incorporate those daily healthy things. And is there, are there people in your life? This is a bonus. Are there people in your life who can challenge you? Yeah. Great. Are there people in your life that can correct you? Are there people in your life that can say, yo, you wilding out? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that's like United States phrase. Like, you, you, you know, you're saying stuff that's wild. You're doing stuff that's wild. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Who can pull you off to the side. They're not out to attack you. They're not out to invalidate your work. Yeah, yeah. They're just saying, hey, I love you too much to let you just do whatever. Yeah. yeah. If there are no people in your life that can challenge you, if you look around and there's no one that can challenge you, there's right. no one that can hold you to account. You're in a very dangerous place. Yeah. So I'll, I'll stop, stop there. there. I know that's a lot, but I'll stop there. <sighs> that My is a lot. Is, I am just like, I, I, I mean, maybe I can just say, like, before David jump in, I mean, I'm just like, I'm so challenged by that. I think, um, you know, I, 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 I'm the guy who tends to say, I got, we got, we got stuff to do. Uh, there's work to do. Uh, let, let's get on with it. Um, and. I can't tell you how many times I've like walked into to my kind of study office and I said, okay, before I start the day, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to open up the, the Bible. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. And then I just quickly check an email and that's like three hours later, man. You know, I, 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 I wish I was, tell, I was making this stuff up, but I'm not. And I'm just like, and that is just such an unhealthy thing, you know, where you can't stop. And um, so I, I'm just really yeah. challenged by that because I love what you said. We have this 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 feeling that the work depends on us. Uh, this this yeah. this this thing. Then if we don't do it, and there is so much to do. There is so much to read. There is so many podcasts yeah. to listen to. Um, just make sure it's your elements. Um, but like, there's so much work to do. There <laughs> or is pass like, the mic. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. But there's so much to do, and you feel that pressure, and you you feel that, and and almost like the more you get aware of these things the more you learn the more you grow the more you learn your history the more you just you see the need and it's i just i'll 
just that that their need is are you we were talking earlier is that need like i'm a son before i'm an activist i'm a son before i'm a pastor i'm a and like and it's like it's the basics and we we i'm gonna say me you guys can take us i am so bad at the basics um i think and we just and i'm so bad at valuing the basics maybe to say like i'll do them but i like you know you gotta have your quiet time you gotta have your time with the lord because then you got to get on to the real work and like we just we just gotta break that down and and I'll, i'll just say this you know just to summarize it you know we always use that phrase you know what good is it if a if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul yeah. right when this work what good is it if you transform society and you're not transformed oh man oh what good man. is that That'll what have reach. you accomplished yeah like what a good what good is it if i accomplish every justice yeah. initiative i wanted and my kids yeah. can't stand me oh, man that breaks my heart bro what good is what good is yeah. I'm, I'm just and and that's no that's no critique on the people who have it, but i think this newer generation of people and activists are getting wise to the idea that we have to be healthy individuals we have to be healthy human beings we have to do soul work we have yeah. to go to counseling and therapy we have to do that if we're going to make substantial generational change otherwise what was it all for i mean yeah cool they remember my name and yeah. that's my reward that's all yeah. that's all the rewards you get I, Jesus yeah. says something about that, actually. In the exactly. same context. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In context. Guys, mm-hmm. like, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, so I want to throw this. This is a double barrel. I want to throw this at you, Tyler. Um, but oh, I'm thinking oh. of myself, as you, guys are, as you guys are speaking, I'm thinking of myself in the way that, you know, subtle ways in the way we can protect ourselves, protect our families, our mental health, our marriages, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our churches, um, you name it, our, our own faith. Um, so that we don't get burned, so that we don't, you know, get shipwrecked. One of the things that I always look at myself as a way to protect myself is when I'm reading stuff on justice, when the brothers and sisters gets, get to the meat of why we do what we do, there's a tendency in me, it was like, oh, I got the gist of it. I got the heart of what I wanted to get because I need the next, you know, you know, how to. Yes, that's right. so good. Yes. That's so good. And so good, now man. we're getting to the person is like, how is your devotion? Or oh, it's a, a small, just a, you know, a declaration of the glory of Jesus and God. <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, but I know that stuff. And so skip. You, you skip yeah. over, you skip <laughs> over reading that small little, just, just right. that, 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 that glory. <laughs> like just to sit in the moment of Jesus is good. Yeah. And it's like, yes, yeah, yes. but, yeah, I mean, you guys can give. So I want yes. what I want you to do is uh, come back to me on how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect our families? And I mean, yeah. for me, that's just one of the most practical ways mm. in for me looking at where I am in the Lord. How much justice stuff have I have I read? How much books yeah. have I read in terms of how much stuff have I spent on 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 just me and the Lord time? Sure. How yeah. much have I read my Bible? Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. That same attitude of I know it can come too easily to a passage or a, or a, or a, or a, or a, or a, a, a pistol in the in, in the New Testament where you're like oh I know the gist of it I need to go to the application part I need to go to Romans 12 because Romans 12 12 has been onwards will tell me about what life looks like in the faith mm-hmm. and I don't want Romans 4 or Romans 3 <laughs> yeah I don't want right, to right. I don't want that stuff because I know it that's just the gospel shall, shall we, we sin so that grace may abound God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I know you that. Get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You get what wow. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so, 
So speak to some of the stuff that how we can protect us. And then on the heels of that, I want you to speak on, and you too, John, I want you guys to speak on uh, how does, as the church, how do we, um, how do we respond as the church? Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes the church is also not a safe place. Right. Um, um, sometimes people leave community, you know, yeah. um, the way back to the social justice, uh, the statement on social justice in the gospel that kind of uh, and a lot of people left the church i remember here in our own context the the, the statement uh, i remember here in our own context when when Christmas four broke out and a lot oh, of yeah. young activists yes who yes. were pro social justice still today have left the church and not gone back to the yeah. church because they can't many of them started the protest because they don't they didn't feel like the church was the place to go to because they were just yeah. going to be told the usual. Yeah. Um, you know, either if it's not wait a little bit, Birmingham jail, uh, you know, letter from Birmingham jail, you have to write a whole letter again to say to the church, can we get on to the conversation? The church just mm. tell you, and this is from black and white pastors. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And so sometimes, you know, so speak to that. So how do we protect ourselves and how is the church can we better resume to the conversation? Yeah, so I'll start with the protecting, then I'll kick it to John. But I think, you know, on the church uh, angle, but, I, you know, I think I think it's really important for us as individuals to um, to have and maintain self-awareness in everything, maintain self-awareness, maintain that maintain the ability and the freedom to look at yourself honestly mm. and to honestly assess and to have the the freedom for other people to honestly assess where you're doing. Um, how you're doing in, in wherever you are. So that's your mental health, your marriages, your family, your church, everything. Um, I think we have to maintain those systems of self-awareness. And I think that's that's so important for us because we will not see ourselves decline. We will not admit that we're declining, right? Yeah. Um, oftentimes other people can see that better than we can. So I would say from a mental health perspective, right? Let's start with mental health. I would say from a mental health perspective, I do not know how you do justice work and not have a therapist. I do not know how that works. Yeah. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I personally don't understand. I'm sure there are people who can do it. I have a history of depression. I cannot do that. Okay. So I need a therapist. Okay. Mm. So I have Jesus and my therapist. You may call them counselors where you're at. You may call them spiritual yeah. directors, whatever you want to say. We need yeah. someone that is professionally trained to help you work out what is going on in your heart. If you do not have that, yeah. I'm very, very concerned about your long-term health mm. um, because you just processing that through uh, Netflix binging or, you know, substances or whatever it may yeah. be, um, vices, yeah. uh, that's not the healthy way to process that. Mm -hmm. I say uh, for your marriage and your family, okay. sure. very important. This is just me. All right. So I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what's important for me. I do not, I do not care about justice work if my family is faltering. If my family is crumbling, I do not care. Do you hear me? Mm -hmm. I don't care. Okay. Now, it's not that it's not important. I'm saying I cannot, if one is failing and crumbling, I cannot simultaneously go out. And it's not that there's not the ability to compartmentalize and all that. I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about like, like tragic, dramatic. I'm not talking about, we had an argument, so I can't do justice work. No, that's, yeah, yeah. okay, whatever. You're human, right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's sin in all of us. There's, there's an issue there. But I'm talking about your family is falling apart. 
and you cannot step back to acknowledge that you need help. Mm. If you can't do that, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So here's what I think is important. I think there needs to be, there needs to be uh, systems in place for every marriage and every family. And then we'll get to church in a second. There needs to be systems in place that rotate and, and constantly ask the question, what is happening in our hearts? What is happening in our souls? What is happening in our family rhythm? And we need help to work out what's going on internally with us. Sure. We need help to work out what's going on internally with our marriage. We need help to work out what's going on internally with our parenting. And if you do not have that time allotted already in your schedule, but you have justice work allotted already in your schedule, then I have a question about your long-term health. Sure. Is the family scheduled in? Hmm. The family has to be scheduled. People are like, nah, I don't want to schedule in my family time because that's that makes it seem like they're a job to do and all this. Nope. And I'm saying, you know, I used to think like that. Yeah. But now that I have so many things going on, I have to literally say after seven o'clock, after six o'clock, after five o'clock, I'm not going to pick up my phone for email. I'm not going to pick up my phone for this. I'm not going to pick up my phone for that. I'm wow. not going to record any podcasts. I'm not going to do. The reason is because if I do not schedule it in, I won't do it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's a, that's a, that's a document of values. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then for our churches, it's extremely important, y'all. Extremely important. If your church does not have policies written down in place to deal with racism, I'm talking to white churches now. If your church churches do not have policies written down in place to deal with racism, I don't believe you. Sure. sure. I don't believe you. You're talking about the road is long. People are like, we care about all people. How do you deal with racist in your church? Is it written down? Show me a document. Sure. You don't have, I don't believe you. Wow. Wow. What does church discipline look like for racist? Wow. You don't have it? I don't believe you. Wow. I don't believe it. How do we create a safe place for people of color to flourish? How do we create a safe place for people of color sure, to feel great. valued? And you have, we have, we have policies for sexual abuse. We have policies for infidelity. We have policies for domestic abuse. And we don't have policies for racism. Yeah. Someone could come in and, and, and freely use. I'm, I've been in mm -hmm. groups with pastors. Hear me recently. I've been in groups of pastors privately where pastors have been describing their previous state and use racial slurs to describe their previous, in my presence. And I'm saying, okay, well, I know you don't have any, there's no policy for this. There's wow. no pop, there's nothing written down that says the church is going to deal with this. The church has a policy, the church has a plan. And if you don't have a plan, yeah. I don't believe you, right? So if the church doesn't have a plan in the same way that we have a plan for our mental health, our spiritual health, mm -hmm. our marriage, our family, the church isn't going to last long in this discussion either. Mm. So I'm not really impressed by, oh, the church expresses sympathy for Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. How is the church going to drastically change the way that it spends its money, mm -hmm. its equity, and the way that it deals with people who are violating these commands? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what will prove that the church is ready to, to have a long road in justice, mm -hmm. right? Um, so those are just some practical things. Um, you know, there, there are obviously some, some more granular things that I do. Um, even my reading load, make sure that I'm not just, I make sure that I'm reading from three different, three or four different genres at all times. Okay. So make sure that I'm not just reading um, social and I'm not just reading theological, but I'm reading devotional at all times. So there has to be wow. something I'm reading devotional. So there has to be something that I'm reading devotionally um, and even That's culturally great. as well to keep me grounded so that I'm, I'm smelling what I need to smell, doing what I need nice. to do. Right. Um, yeah. Those are more granular things, you know, mm. but, we can get into like what a daily schedule looks like later, but 
I think those things are super helpful yeah. for making sure that you maintain and you don't allow your life to get out of control and run you. Mm. John, on the church level? Yeah, I, I think I, well, not so many, the, I mean, maybe an individual or in a church. I think the one thing I think it's, it is important to say is maybe just like it is okay sometimes. <laughs> it's okay to leave a church sometimes. Um, yeah. I think I have left the church uh, before and it's one of the most draining, difficult and it wasn't even over like racial stuff. It was just it was just time to go and it was time to move on. And it's so difficult. Um, I've also left the church because of their stance on racial issues. And it's just it is so yeah. it sounds like I've left a lot of churches. But anyway, um, but and it is okay. <laughs> and I think there is a way we leave. A lot of churches, churches need to be left, John. Yeah, okay. I'm, I, it's, it, that, you're far away. You can say these things. Yeah, no. uh, but it's true, yeah. yeah and don't I be think, ashamed. Don't be ashamed no, of it. Don't be ashamed no. of it. And I think ashamed. there's a time where we just got to say, it is time to go. Um, I think... Yeah. And, and so if, if that's you, if you're listening, if you're saying, I don't know, I've tried. I've been working. I'm just butting my head against this. Nothing, nothing's changing. Maybe it's time to think about leaving, not because you're better, yeah. not because even the people aren't Christians, maybe, maybe just maybe saying for my own mental health, maybe for my own sense, yeah. for my own soul, maybe I need to move on. If you're, if you're a person who's saying, no, I've got a lot more fight in me. I can stay here. I can stick it out. I can work for change from within. I think that's fantastic. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to support you if we can, but like, but like there comes a time when sometimes you need to say it is time. And, yeah. um, and I, can, I just, can I, I, I speak I to, to the, say that. Oh, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, no, I just, that's what I wanted no, to say. I, I want to speak to the, I, cause you know, when I was in South Africa, I had the privilege of meeting, um, a number of different people who that was their story, David, they, they, you know, were involved in protests and right. their churches basically said, you can't sing, you can't mm -hmm. be involved in ministry because you're also simultaneously involved in protests and marches and everything, man, I think, um, First of all, let me say this, I, and, and in all of my talk about personal devotion and piety and how that connects to our justice work and how that connects, I do not intend to create um, unrealistic obstacles for people, right? I don't intend to create like a, a legalistic bar of what it means to be healthy. These are just things that are on my heart pastorally because I know so many people struggle in these areas and then it never gets addressed and dealt with. But I don't mean to create this kind of like, Oh, if that's what's required, I can't reach and attain to that. That's not what I'm trying to, to, to do at all. But I just want us to last. I just want us to last generationally. I want us to see our grandkids. Um, and, you know, I don't want us to be able to, to, to leave something behind personally for them in person. Yeah. Um, but I want to say that those people have, have left the church or maybe even abandoned the faith because of this. Man, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know, I don't think we said that enough. Mm, that's and I don't think we... I don't think we take responsibility enough for our own institution. You know, whenever people get upset and mad at pastors or black pastors uh, locally, they say, man, black pastors all do this. I don't rush to correct them. I try as best as I, I possibly can, you know, not to rush to correct because that's my tribe and I have to own that. Right. Like my tribe hasn't done everything right. My tribe hasn't operated properly. My tribe of people who are passionate about justice and personal piety, we've discarded women. Like we've kicked yeah. people out. We've acted as, mm -hmm. you know, act as though they don't exist. I'm so sorry. Like yeah. <laughs> I may not be in the South African context, but I hope you feel that as a proclaimer of the gospel and as one who is, 
you know, assigned to, to lead people and lead the flock that we mess up a lot. Yeah. We mess up a lot. You know, we we're, we are, we are, but men, <laughs> you know, and, but women with, mm-hmm. with feet of clay, you know? So I, I want to acknowledge, acknowledge that, that, but I also want to say, you know, I pray that you would find a place in, in your life at all times that you would find a place yeah. where you can see the beauty of Jesus. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I pray that you can see the beauty of Jesus. Now, now I know that the church institution institution is important. And I know forsake yeah. not yourself, the assembly. Okay. For my reformed friends, put this on mute for a second. Okay. Now <laughs> I pray that you can, I, I believe it's important for you to be connected to a local church. I think that's yeah. awesome and, and great for you to work out your faith. It's essential for every believer. But but I pray that you can see the beauty of Jesus. Amen. I pray that you never fall out of wonder sure. with how amazing and culturally confounding Jesus is. Yeah. How Jesus was so mm-hmm. loving, so truthful, full of grace yeah. and truth. Right? How he came and the way that he came was so was to serve. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Mm-hmm. He didn't come for those who thought they had it all together. He came for right. those who were sick. Right. I pray that you would never, if there's one thing you're like, I can't let this Christian thing go, can't let this Jesus following thing go, but I can't do the church. Well, okay, in this season of your life, fallen, please see how beautiful Jesus is. See yeah. how incredible Amen. he is. Never Amen. lose that. Right. I pray that you can never lose that. Yeah. I bet um, that. and that's even for people who are transitioning out of church. I yeah. pray that you never yeah. I've I've we have a lot of people coming into our church who who literally did not attend church for two years after the 2016 election. Sure. They did not attend church. They could not stand it. Wow. Wow. And now they're saying we need to be healed. We need to be healed. We didn't didn't think it was possible to find a place that cared and would speak about justice and also care about our souls. We didn't think that was possible. Mm. Right. Sure. And so I pray that you're able to receive healing in this season, Mm -hmm. but I pray also that you're able to honestly assess your context without feeling like you have to appease and be approved by church leaders. Here's what I mean by that. Not in the biblical sense of submission to the context of leadership and and what have you, but so many of us are obsessed with not letting church leaders down, even when they're being abusive and oppressive. Yes, that is true. Yeah. And you, we have to break the addiction of seeing church leaders in the same place as we see God. They can't be questioned. We can't say oh. anything to them. Yep. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're the, yeah, the man of God, the woman of God. They're the people. Yep. They're the people in the in the perch yep. because they know so much theology. Of course, they can't be wrong. That is a lie. Yeah. That is that a laundry. demonic. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be honest. That's a demonic lie. Mm-hmm. What it leads to is a lack of questioning and a lack of honesty and a lack of accountability. And do not allow your, your view of your pastors and your ministry leaders to ascribe and rival the view of God, mm-hmm. um, that's dangerous. And so if you feel like God is calling you to leave because of what you are seeing, I, I think it's always fair to give a, a pastor a chance. I think it's always fair to give a church body a chance hmm. to correct, to formally put it down yeah, in writing, yeah, yeah. just to say, hey, these are things that I see. These are things that are very bothersome to me. Is yeah. there a way that we can address these things? What's our plan for this? Mm-hmm. What what's our What's our policy for dealing with racists? What's our policy for dealing with these things? Why are these people being kicked out of key positions of ministry and leadership? I think it's good to give people a chance, but at a certain point, you know, these, these people, people are not God. 
Okay. Pastors are not God. Yeah. Church communities are not ascribed to that place. So I just want to, I just want to throw that out there that, that if you give them a chance and they don't respond to it, that's a pretty clear sign that from a humility um, standpoint, yeah. they're, they're, they're disqualified from leading you. Yeah. Yeah. You reformed. Listen, if you, if you hold to, um, what Martin Luther did, that's basically yeah. what led to us being here. Right. It's one man saying, listen, the guy at the top, he's not infallible. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm persuaded otherwise by scripture, here I stand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think we need to take that posture and it's a prophetic posture. And yeah. um, it's a prophetic posture. And I think it moves us into places where, where I think God wants us to be. And I've not seen any prophet of God experiencing any position or opposition when they move into that space. Hmm. Hmm. So it comes with that, but I hope it. this podcast yeah. has been helpful in yeah. helping you navigate that when that happens. Yeah. Um, Tyler spoke before we actually came on air uh, about things are going to go down in his ministry, in his different positions that he's holding, that he is preparing himself spiritually for the journey. Um, yeah. And I promise you picking up the Bible when that happens a few people run to the Bible when it happens. It's the yeah. food that you've been eating all the while that's going to sustain yes. you yes. when Come the on, stuff bro. happens. Yeah. And you and, and, and the Spirit mm. of God reminds you of that stuff. Yeah. Um, that's going to sustain you. Yeah, that's Amen. true, bro. Tyler, Amen. man, man, thank you for being with us. Yeah. Um, guys, Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor. It's our first intercontinental uh, podcast. Yeah. This is history in the making. <laughs> Uh, I beat Jamar. Yes, I beat yes. Jamar in something. Yes, yes. yes. You will beat, beat the man. You beat the man. You beat the man. Um, we love having you, bro. Yeah, um, honor, man. You're on our show. Um, how can we support your work? Uh, um, and your work, of course. Yeah. So, um, easiest place, I guess, is um, on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. Um, I'm hmm. also on Facebook under Tyler Burns. You can find me and whatever i don't i don't really have any big profile or anything support the word of the witness, witness you, you know, know. Yeah. pass the mic is a podcast you can download subscribe to cool. um the is the website for the witness and yeah stay in touch with what we're doing hopefully providing you guys with some resources to navigate things even yeah, if it's in so a united good. states context so um yeah. but you can support me by supporting the work of these brothers here that's how you can support me. You can support oh, me by supporting me. I've never heard that. That's a, that's a, <laughs> sure. It's, I mean, but it's true though. Like, I mean, I, I can't speak into the, I can't speak into the, the, the context that you guys are in. Like you can. Yeah. And I think that sure. You may get a moment of encouragement and excitement from listening, listening to, to someone, someone from another continent, but right. the reality is that the work is happening right where you live. And so if you want to support the work globally, you know, we're all interconnected, you right. know, I mean, we're all sure. interconnected. Like what affects one of us, you know, directly affects all of us indirectly. That's what King That's said. Okay. So yeah. Um, yeah. you can support these brothers monetarily, financially. You can support them with your shares, with your likes, with your comments, with your encouraging words. And as, you know, I believe that as they rise, we all rise. So mm. sure. sure. Uh, you're so, too bro. kind, man. Kudos, man. That's, thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah. Guys, we, we, we signing out uh, mm -hmm. again. Uh, what um, Tyler said. Don't forget to follow Yellow Mensa on Twitter, uh, Ismambano on Facebook. Get involved in the discussion. Uh, give us your comments, your mm -hmm. feedback. Um, give us your your 
I mean, what you found helpful. And if yeah. you found this helpful, please share. One thing I always say is that if you share, uh, do share with people that you know that are that are not having the conversation and you are a bit feeling a bit awkward with starting the conversation, yeah. let them pick on us and then disagree <laughs> with us. And then you can go in and say, actually, here's where I do agree and here's where I disagree. And, and then you can have the conversation. So sure. please, guys, uh, comment, see. like, share. Uh, as always, this audio was produced by Exilic Music. Mm-hmm. You can find them at www.exilic.co.za. Props to my man Jeremy mm-hmm. and the fantastic work the guys are doing behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm David signing out. And I'm um, John saying we got work to do. Yo, guys, check you later. Remember, Yella Mensa. Um, yes, remember to bas Yella Anna. Lay back. And be safe, people. Peace. Right.